Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up podcast. It is a greatness to see all of your smiling faces. Uh, today is a very special episode of the Wits Up podcast. I invited one of my dear friends to join me for a chat during the week. Uh, and it is the second time in the history of the Wits Up podcast that we have invited a supportive dude to the airways. The first one was Delhi Carr, the legend that is Delhi Carr. And our second time, we are welcoming Felix Volshafer. Um, I did my very best to pronounce that correctly, and I'm sure uh, a few of our German listeners can correct me because I'm pretty sure I didn't quite nail it. So I've been meaning to ask Felix to come on the podcast for quite a while now. Uh, and I guess you can say that the timing is pretty perfect, seeing as though uh, a whole bunch of us across the globe were supposed to be jetting into Germany uh, to head to Challenge Rot, or if you are not German, uh, Challenge Roth. Uh, but with the world... In the way it is at the moment, obviously it was cancelled quite some time ago. So I wanted to catch up with Felix, see how he was doing, see how the team was doing. Um, anyone who has met or even just seen Felix and the team online in any sort of capacity will know uh, that they are very passionate about what they do. Uh, so I imagine that this week is pretty tough for Felix and his crew over there in Roth. Um, so we wanted to learn a little bit more about the history of the event, but more importantly, as you know, with this podcast, uh, we like to find out a little bit more about the person behind the athlete or the person behind the race director in this case. Uh, so we do, we find out a little bit more about Felix, what makes him tick, and he shares a few stories uh, about his time, I guess, in and out of the sport uh, over the years. All right, let's get stuck into a chat with one of my favorite people in the world, Felix Volschaffer. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm. this might come as a bit of a surprise, but I'm actually a little bit nervous to speak to this gentleman um, because he's got such a big profile in the sport, but I shouldn't be nervous because we're actually really close friends and have sunk many a beer and ridden many a roller coaster together. So I don't know why I'm nervous, but ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our good friend Felix to the Wits Up podcast. Good morning. <laughs> um, I, I imagine this week is going to be a roller coaster for you, my friend. It is the week that, um, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce it properly, but Challenge Hrot should be happening. Yeah, that's actually true. I uh, just uh, arrived at the office, walked through the uh, finish line, and the only thing there is the gate, which is there um, uh, all year round, and it's pretty depressive. It's raining, so uh, mm. it all ends up. <laughs> so it's not the easiest oh, week for everyone here in the office. Uh, and for anyone who doesn't know, the the challenge route, and how am I going with the pronunciation, by the way? Really good, my friend. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> the challenge wrote office is uh, maybe, should we say, about a 100-metre walk to the finishing line? Yes, it's about a 100-metre walk and it, it's about 50 metres towards the um, uh, expo. Yeah. It, everything is so close, um, which kind of is a metaphor for the, the close-knit community that you guys have created um, with the Challenge Rolt event. So I imagine that you yourself are feeling it, but the the entire office and the community are probably feeling uh, a bit glum this week with the race not going ahead. Yes, uh, we're getting a lot of calls and uh, you talk to the people in the supermarkets and stuff like that. Um, they are missing their friends. They are missing their um, homestay families. Mm. Um, it's... Uh, it's it's weird, and it's really weird that it takes kind of now two years for the next event. Mm. Um, so it's a it's a big motivational thing as well because um, our payday is race day, and seeing mm -hmm. all the athletes and seeing all the smiles on their faces, and out of a sudden um, nothing is happening this this year. So 
uh, yeah, it's um, as problematic for us as for the volunteers and here for the whole community. And then bear in mind, that's the same thing worldwide, but um, uh, also a lot of um, uh, restaurants are struggling. A lot of uh, hotels are struggling. And now the right. biggest thing in the year um, uh, is also not happening. So it's it's not an easy time for everyone. But uh, yeah, together we'll we'll surely get through that. And in terms of a big, I mean, as you know, um, but for anyone who doesn't know, um, Rolt has been a kind of my second home throughout the year. And uh, we've been chatting to our homestay as well because we don't get to catch up. And um, last last year they met Frankie when she was, uh, I can't even think, maybe 10 months old. And we're really looking forward to seeing her grow yeah. up. Like they get to see um, my yeah. daughter growing up. And a big year is, is uh, sorry, a year is a long time in a, in a child's life. A, lo- a lot changes, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, but so you know, and and you feel you feel that um, uh, that 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 the town will be struggling. But so I guess as a triathlon community, and I know that like I actually am worried about what you've got planned for next year because I know it's just going to be above and beyond what it already is, and it is already, in my opinion, the greatest event on the planet. Um, what can we as a triathlon community do to help? Um, even now, but also leading into next year? Oh, it's a good question, um, Steph. Um, we, uh, we have been struggling uh, financially a lot because we, w- we were paying out um, the entry fees. And mm. of course, we are not receiving any of the sponsorship fees nor the expo uh, fees. Mm. Um, we don't have our merchandise uh, set up out there. So it's a, it's a pretty tough year. Um, actually, we are at the moment only on 50% work time to reduce the costs and we'll also need a credit um, line until the end of the year um, because uh, here um, with the tax law, uh, yes, we have um, uh, all the athletes inscribed for next year, but we are actually not allowed to use that money. Um, uh, that would be a fraud oh. if we would use the money from next year to pay wages for this year, you know. So this is why it's going to be quite uh, difficult until the end of the year. The only right. income uh, stream that we still have is our merchandise online shop. So you can definitely help there, www.challenge-shop.de. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll we'll definitely get through that. We have had amazing uh, athletes, a lot of the athletes, um, donated uh, parts of their uh, entry fee towards us. So that helped us um, a lot. It was really uh, touching to see um, how mm. athletes reacted, the emails we got, the calls we got, uh, even athletes who, is ne- who have never raced here, you know, and said, hey, I want to donate something because I want to race with you in the next year and therefore you need to be there. So it was really, really touching. And it shows that we have a really, really amazing uh, sport community in triathlon so that was that was a amazing sign yeah that's incredible and i guess uh next year when the event is back on and in you know full speed ahead would it help say when athletes um because i mean what what are the numbers are you looking at for international athletes um Nearly all of the uh, athletes reinscribed for next year. So we had um, only a few uh, open uh, spaces. So uh, we're looking at 50% uh, foreign athletes, 50% German athletes. So nothing really changed there. It has always been for us very, very important um, to keep up the international numbers. We were a bit afraid um, due to Corona and also the whole craziness in in flights uh, that maybe Mm. people were afraid to come. But that didn't happen. Uh, so we are very, very happy because we always saw us as an international event and not a national event. And um, therefore, it's really cool to see. Um, I think we have 200 Aussies coming. Yeah. Um, uh, over hundreds uh, of, of Americans coming. So it's really, really nice to, to see that. And uh, yeah. towards your question, what you can expect next year, I have to be very mm-hmm. honest, uh, Steph, I don't know. I really yeah. don't know because uh, at the moment until 31st of October, all big events are cancelled from the government. And uh, we don't know under which circumstances we are allowed to organize the race next year. So it's pretty much depending on governmental um, 
policies towards big events. Right. We are pretty sure that big events will be coming back uh, next year. Um, uh, for example, our big um, uh, exhibitions and, and uh, um, convention centers will be opening up again in September. So that is a, prom a promising sign. Um, mm -hmm. Our uh, soccer league is extremely influential in Germany. So at the moment we have ghost games, uh, but the league is over now. And we do yeah. expect uh, that people are allowed back into the stadiums um, in um, fall and winter. Um, and then it's, it's going to get easier for the uh, big events. But the problem is at the moment we don't have any guidelines. So this is also mm -hmm. our problem at the moment. We can't really organize anything because we don't know what the guidelines will be. Um, it's right. definitely going to be different to the races we have had in, in the past. Um, but different doesn't necessarily have to be bad, you know. I think mm -hmm. the most important thing next year, at least for us, is that we're allowed to do the race again and that we meet our clients, that we we um, host a big international happy event, you know. And that's what, what all comes uh, about. And I think um, uh, once we know more what is allowed, etc., uh, you know us, uh, we mm. love details, we love uh, small things with the fireworks and everything. We have a lot of things in mind already what to do. Um, but um, yeah, the, the planning at, the, at this stage uh, in July is quite uh, problematic because we don't have guidelines so far. Right, right. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think it's something that people kind of forget about as well is that it's not as simple as waiting till July next year and putting on the same event. Things, yeah. things are definitely going to look different. Um, and when you can't, those, the things that you produce and the quality of an event that you produce takes time, takes planning, um, takes money. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, our, um, in quotation marks, problem is also we're not only the biggest triathlon event, we're the biggest event you can compare that to anything, cultural, sport, music, etc. Mm -hmm. in Bavaria. No other event has 260,000 spectators. And mm. we have a responsibility for the um, well-being of everyone. And, uh, for example, we have 90 shower compartments. So how is that going to work next year, you know? How are yeah. we uh, going to be able to use them to do um uh, to make that safe for our athletes so that's all going to be very 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 interesting um but we are not afraid of it we are not um worried about it it's just that we would love to have guidelines now so that mm. we can actually plan accordingly yeah and um that's that's going to be very very interesting very yeah. interesting Definitely. I think one thing that as an athlete, if you are planning on traveling to Challenge Rult next year is to even consider, and obviously, again, it depends on guidelines and travel restrictions and whatnot, uh, but hopefully things are back to some kind of normality by then. But perhaps athletes can consider staying on a little bit longer and helping support those local businesses who would have really struggled without that influx of athletes there this year. Absolutely. We are in a very, very nice region where you can uh, do um, a nice holiday, uh, especially on our lakes. We have Nuremberg nearby with 20 minutes. We have uh, Munich, uh, an hour south uh, of us. So it's, it's a pretty nice region. Mm. And guess what? It's really, really cool. A lot of the uh, German athletes and also the European athletes that don't have a long uh, journey here to Roth, they're all coming this week. You know, they didn't uh, cancel their hotels. They didn't cancel their homestead oh. families. And they will be training with us on Sunday. So that's going to be very, very cool as well. So at least we have some, some athletes in town and it <laughs> at least feels a little bit like triathlon. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Oh, that's amazing. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. That's that's awesome news. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, and I guess, I mean, my top tip for any athlete who's going next year and wants to uh, extend their stay, do it on the other side of the race and enjoy the quality beers from the Bavarian area of Germany. <laughs> You'd be yeah, crazy not into, to. Yeah, absolutely. Who's into beer and good food? That's the place <laughs> to be. Exactly. Um. Okay, let, let's move on because, and I sort of explained this to you beforehand and all of our listeners know that most of the time our podcast isn't 
is it meant to be too triathlon heavy? We love to find out who the the person is behind, you know, the athlete or the race director or the mm-hmm. photographer. Um, and I think it's fair to say I know you pretty well. We're we're pretty good friends. We've we we have had a beer or two or seventeen <laughs> together. And <laughs> and uh, we have uh, encountered a lot of stupid things together, like hanging <laughs> on a tree. <laughs> um, on a good friend's birthday on the Gold Coast and things like that. Yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> Shout out to Tiffa. <laughs> That's true. Uh, just, so this is the kind of friend that Felix is. Um, our good mate Tiff turned 40 and a few of us sort of flew in from different parts of Australia. Uh, our good mate Vix surprised. No, she knew Vix was coming, didn't she? From, no, yeah, she from didn't New know. Zealand. She didn't know. No, she didn't oh, know. It was also a total surprise. Oh, Vix was a surprise as well. So she flew in from exactly. New Zealand. And then Felix somehow managed to surprise someone who's very hard to surprise because she's the organizer of the group. Um, That's true. Flew all, all the way from Germany and surprised Tiffa. And it's got to be one of the best surprise videos I've ever witnessed. <laughs> That's true. How That's good is true, it? Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. It was really awesome. Tiffa is such a good friend. Uh, she has stayed uh, here in Roth for the last, I don't know, 15 odd years or something uh, when she worked for Tri Travel. And mm. uh, uh, we got so close friends. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's also sad for that reason. You know, you're not coming. Tiffa's not yeah. coming. Vix is not coming. All my international friends are not coming. Uh, yesterday on a Sunday before a race, uh, we would have done our traditional barbecue at my place. Mm. and uh, meet up with the pros and uh, just hang out a bit. Yeah, so this is also not happening, which is quite sad because on a personal uh, side, this is also, yeah, the two weeks that mean most to me because it's not only mm. uh, race week, but it's also um, the week where all the friends are coming in, you know, and you you got to catch up with everyone. And uh, that's also a bit sad. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I missed one year when I was pregnant and yeah. I hated not being there. It is, and I, you know, I joked, it is like a second home. Uh, yeah. We're, we're part of the family and it, and it sucks not being, not being there, but we, um, God, wait, wait till next year's after party. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think Belinda Granger is already uh, thinking Preparing. about what kind of, yeah. <laughs> Um, do you do you uh, remember the first time that you and I met? I do. Help me, Steph. Help me. So, you happened to be in Kona with Vix, and well, you didn't happen to be there. We're all there uh, to yep. check out the World Championships, of course. Um, and Vix uh, sent me an email saying, uh, "I think this is this is when I was the editor at Australian Triathlete Magazine," and she said, "Oh, we would love to catch uh, yeah, up yeah, with yeah, you." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just have a bit that. of a yeah. yeah, a bit of a chat about what kind of relationship we can we can form between the magazine and Wits Up and and Challenge Rolt. And I was I was like, oh geez, I'm about to meet this hotshot Felix. Uh, and we went out to lunch at uh, Lava Java, and yep. with, within about ten seconds, I'd punched you in the arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and. Uh... First, uh, first second I met you, I got terrified, and I'm terrified until now. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> uh, oh, no, the reason God. the reason I punched you is because you said, "Will you will you come to challenge Ro- challenge Rolt?" And yeah, I, I just was. I think because I was so new to the magazine as well, I was so dumbfounded that my only response was to punch you in the arm, like <laughs> "Get out of town." <laughs> Oh God, that's a uh, long time ago as well. Very long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and you stuck with me. You let me hang around for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And then I raced Challenge Road the following year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the year after that, I think it was, was the first time that you ever raced it. Yes. Yeah. That was amazing. I raced uh, Wanaka twice. Yeah, um, and I absolutely love Wanaka. It's uh, in the Kiwi Alps. It's so beautiful. Yeah, but then stunning. I had this this really really crazy idea that I want to do um, the race myself, 
uh, just to experience it from a, a complete different angle and to see um, what's what's really good, uh, where we can improve. <laughs> and uh, that was one of the, the hardest weeks in my life, actually, because I worked full time as a race director until Saturday night. I think it was 11 o'clock. I went home God. to my apartment and Victoria was there and um, she said, oh, you look terrible. And I said, oh, thank you. And um, I was I was so tired and I, I couldn't get my head around, you know, to switch from being a race director into being an athlete on Saturday night. Didn't really sleep that the whole week. And then she said, oh, uh, did you eat today? And I'm like, oh, no, shit, I forgot to eat. Um, oh, and gosh. so she, she did a, um, how you call that, like smash potatoes. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and then she opened a bottle of red wine. And uh, so <laughs> this was my dinner for the race. Bottle of red wine, uh, mashed potatoes from Victoria, old style recipe from uh, good old England. And uh, then I packed my bags and uh, tried to sleep then um and i only had i think three hours or something to sleep and then in the middle of the night my uh, cell phone um went crazy because we had a, a problem uh, with a ship in one of the uh, locks so i had to organize that at night and then i couldn't uh, sleep again and then uh, it was race day it was pretty uh, special but um was definitely one of the best days in my life absolutely was was very very slow 14 hours but it um, was really cool to see all the volunteers. Most of them I actually know, um, yeah. see them working, chat with them, and also uh, uh, being out there with the other athletes, you know, and um, uh, especially on the, on the run course. Um, second mm -hmm. half, I was more walking than uh, running. Uh, but it was so cool to see how, like, little groups formed, you know, and we got to know each other in the race. Yeah. <laughs> it. it was so cool. It was so cool. What, as a race director, what's one of the biggest things you learned um, about being a competitor? I think the camaraderie uh, on, on right. the uh, channel stretches, um, that left the most impression for me. It was so yeah. cool, uh, like, uh, because we were, we were walking and then running again and uh, trying to, um, yeah, kind of stay together in that little group that we formed. It was really, really nice. And then we had a torrential rain uh, coming <laughs> in and uh, you could maybe see 50 meters. It was really crazy. And my first thought was, ah, oh, thank God I don't have to be on the uh, Festplatz and um, uh, to, to, um, uh, decide what to do now, you know. So that's all on my mom and Catherine now. <laughs> and I can yeah. just be out in the forest. So that was quite <laughs> cool. That's why you no took decisions. 14 hours. Yeah, yeah. Cause you, you don't want to get really back cool. to make any decisions. <laughs> that's awesome. Exactly. It was <laughs> so, really cool. Yeah, I think the camaraderie was, was stunning. It was really yeah. cool. So then I guess from what, what did you learn about the race that you took back to the team that you know that you could Im improve on um in terms of putting on an event and a race i think what i found out is that we're actually pretty good <laughs> which, was, <laughs> yeah! which, was, which was actually really good um, that's awesome uh, yeah no it was really cool um what i um decided we need uh, we needed bigger water tanks on, on one of the aid stations on the bike because when I got there uh, one of the volunteers was yelling at me if you have still water left um, don't spill it we are nearly running out of water so I stopped there and said hey guys what's oh. going on and then they realized it was me and it was a extremely um, hot day I think we had 35 degrees or something which mm -hmm. for Germany is not the original or normal thing you know yeah. And um, so I, uh, I said, okay, um, I'll, I'll take care for that. So I took the bike, went down to the next village, uh, talked to the um, firefighters, asked them to come with their water truck to refill our uh, aid station, and they did that. So that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, from the year uh, onward, uh, I think we have, I think now, three 10,000 liter containers of water. So... Ever since then, we didn't run out of water anymore. <laughs> so, Amazing. because that's the only spot actually on the bike where we don't have water supply, because we're standing on a on a field. Yeah. And uh, 
yeah, that was the thing I, I learned on that day, that we definitely need more water there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, do you, so growing up, what, what kind of exposure did you have um, to triathlon? The first triathlon in Roth happened in 84. I was four years old. Um, I got a volunteer shirt in small and that mm. went uh, under the knees. So it looked like a skirt, actually. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, when you grow up in Roth, uh, you grow up with triathlon. And that's um, mm. a pretty cool thing. Um, the best thing for us as kids was that on the Monday when the uh, awards was happening and everything, we were running around and, and having every athlete um, signing on our volunteer shirts. So we had thousands of autograms on, on the volunteer shirts. So that was the absolute big thing for us as kids. And then I worked myself through the ranks. Up, Dad was always the announcer of the event and did the marketing and my mom always did the PR. Um, at the event and Detlef Kuhnel, um, Dad's best friend, um, yeah. he was the first German to compete in Hawaii and he brought this idea to, to Roth. And, and that then, was in 82, uh, right? He was the first German exactly. in 1982? Yeah. 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 Correct. So he ran Amazing. Hawaii in 82 as first German in 83 again and then in 84 with the Athletics Club of Roth, they organized the first triathlon. And uh, then uh, like in the first year we had I think 80 competitors and um, then it uh, the, the, the region got hooked up with the idea. And um, right. then it was quite quickly, we were Franconian Championship, Bavarian Championship, German Championship, European Championship. And then in 88, Valerie Silk came over and um, granted us the first uh, Ironman label in whole of Europe. So we were called Ironman Europe um, until 2001. And my dad um, worked for the uh, city of Nuremberg. He was responsible for the tourism of the city mm -hmm. of Nuremberg. And uh, then Detlef decided to um, step back and retire um, in 2001. And dad um, decided to quit his job. Mom nearly shot him because it was a really good job. And uh, now he bought Don't this with Alice. <laughs> oh God, don't mess with her, no. Her nickname is Queen Mom. Uh, she's quite powerful, but yeah, Dad, Dad just did it. And um, then we ran into big problems with Lou Freeland from Ironman um, because they um, wanted more money. They wanted that we do a mass start in the channel, uh, which is just absolutely impossible. We could have collected the dead bodies afterwards. Uh, then they demanded us to um, to do only one loop on the bike, which would have destroyed Solar Hill because Solar Hill lives and breathes because the athletes are passing through twice, and mm. uh, we have about fifty thousand spectators there on that on that hill, you know, and it would have yeah. completely destroyed everything. And then Dad um, got the impression that they um, actually wanted to. Um, like back then it was that the European athletes, they rather did Roth than Hawaii because Roth was so important, you know. And wow. um, um, Ironman wanted to stop that and uh, wanted to put us down, put us on the knees um, in order to strengthen Hawaii. And then Dad said, okay, this is not the way how I want to work with Ironman and this is not the way that I see the race um, uh, going into the future and also for example we live here from all our clubs and like the kindergartens and the schools offering uh, coffee and cake on the uh, mm. on the side of the street when athletes pass by to the uh, spectators and Ironman wanted 10% of all that income you know and we don't even know how many um, kindergartens and everything are out there you know because I'm happy when a lot of people here and teams and everything earn some extra money, you know? Mm. And um, so then he said, okay, we're not doing that. We'll go independent. And um, that was a big shock for, for the team and also for us as a family. And at the beginning, he was the only one who believed in that. And um, my dad always was a visioneer and um, he had his visions and he believed in them and he was very, very strong on that and um, then he announced that we will not sign again with Ironman and um, uh, he asked the local newspapers 
um, and said, okay, uh, everyone in the uh, county should send in proposals for a new name. And then we'll do a public vote on the new name. And um, so um, there were hundreds of, of possibilities and um, Dad picked 10. And then there was mm -hmm. a public vote over the newspapers and challenge uh, came out. And then um, in 2002, it was the first challenge. Numbers dropped to half. We had to um, uh, uh, invent the relay format and everything. But what was very, very interesting is that the, the region and the volunteers, and this is always where Dad um, strongly believed and said, okay, we don't believe that the race has a long-lasting um, possibility, but we'll be there, we'll help. And then um, something really interesting happened. Uh, Ironman put in Frankfurt and they immediately went on our dates. And uh, there was a lot of um, uh, yeah, bashing of, of wrath over newspapers from, from Ironman side. And uh, here we, um, the, the population here in Franconia is very uh, settled, you know, um, we don't want to talk too big, you know, um, mm -hmm. but when um, there is an attack on us, you know, then yeah. the people stand together. And that was interesting to see that feeling and how everything um, developed and the, the population was completely standing behind the event. And um, uh, the first event was really, really good, despite really low numbers. The house of my parents uh, went back to the bank um, because it wasn't financially viable and everything. So it was really tough times. But the, that, but the core was right. Like the, the region was behind it, you know. Um, the, the support was there. The athletes got a really, really good product. Yeah. And um, that was the important thing. And then in 2003, we had the fantastic uh, possibility of the three-second finish between Lothaleda and Maka. And that went viral yeah. uh, all over the world. And by 2004, we were sold out again. And since then, um, we have been the, the biggest uh, race on the uh, long distance. And uh, we didn't give that uh, title back. And uh, I think <laughs> what... What Roth always made special that uh, every year we uh, we are trying to improve it. Uh, we want athletes who race with us for ten years that every year when they come back they say, "Oh, that's new. Oh, um, they have thought about that. Oh, this is really neat." You know that they don't have the feeling. Well, there is no reason for me to come again because mm -hmm. it's same old, same old. You know, and I think there is no other race um, where all the money is invested into the event. You know. And yeah. uh, because we are family business, we can do that. We we are proud of our product. We identify ourselves with that product, and I think this is why um, Roth is is successful. And that was, yeah, that was a little um, uh, go through the the history. Um, yeah. Big part of the history also was that Dad uh, got seriously ill um, in two thousand and three already. He had a very very seldom lung disease. Um, and there is no cure against it. So we ended up in a double-side lung transplantation um, uh, on January 6, 2005, the year before he was uh, in hospital. Um, and I um, stopped the uni, I went into the office to help mom. And um, so I was 24 years old. I was terrified um, because I didn't know anything. I mean... I knew a lot of things, but uh, absolutely not in detail. And this is when I when I went into the race. And uh, 2004 was the first time that I was race director here. And um, what I loved the most was that uh, all our team helped me. You know, and um, yeah. that that there's such a strong bond uh, here uh, between the volunteers and the team and me um, that they. Uh, did the race kind of independently without me uh, having uh, too much knowledge about it. And yeah. um, so Dad, Dad got the uh, double side lung transplantation, but he never recovered fully um, to his full capacity. So um, he, he was still uh, in the office. He had the ideas uh, and everything, but um, uh, he couldn't work as he, as he did before. And also because of his immune system being suppressed, Totally, 
um, he, he couldn't go into big holes, for example, because it would have just been too mm. uh, dangerous for him. And yeah, that was when I, when I went in. At the beginning, I did a lot of mistakes. I uh, tried mm. to fit into his shoes, which wasn't mm. my way, you know. I tried to uh, uh, be good and uh, him being um, uh, proud of me and everything, but I never really did my thing, you know. And then uh, in 2007, when he died, I uh, was even more. So I, I tried to live his legacy um, until I went into a complete uh, burnout. Um, and um, it was uh, only when I was uh, um, yeah, trying to do my thing, you know, and uh, not his uh, anymore, that I, uh, that I uh, yeah... Um, felt better about it and, and the, the race got a different touch to it. And ever since then, I really love it. I really, really love it. And uh, it's my baby. It, it, absolutely. Your dad obviously played a big role um, in, in your life. Um, and, and obviously, I mean, I've written down some of the words that you used to describe him. He was, he was a, a visionary. Uh, he was yeah. a fighter. Do you do you feel like some of those traits? I mean, I know, I know what I think, but do you feel like some of those traits have rubbed up, rubbed off on you, and that's where you get them from? Yes, uh, I think I'm a pretty good mixture between my mom and my dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, like the visions and everything, I I definitely have from dad. Uh, mm. Like when you talk to my directors, they hate me, especially in race weeks, <laughs> because I see something and I, I, I don't like it or I want it to be nicer. I want more mm. flowers. I want more carpet. I want <laughs> more lights. I want more whatever. Um, and then uh, in race week, a lot of things changes because I, uh, I just feel it's still not right. You know, the details right. are not yet there. Right. And this is when they really hate me, but they Got also it. love me for it. And they are, <laughs> they are making a lot of uh, jokes about me. Oh, fuck, Felix is coming. Uh, hide, you know. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. So I think I, I have a lot of those things from my dad. Yeah. What I have from my mom is she's a really good listener. Um, and uh, she's like the psychiatrist of the race, I would say, you know. Um, everyone can come with problems, with issues to mom. And she will sit down, she will listen to it. Um, and I think this is what I, uh, what I also got from mom. So I'm, um, at the beginning when, when I tried to be dad, you know, when I mm. uh, tried to be as good as him, I tried to micromanage, you know, I tried to be everywhere. I tried to look into every single detail and that, that was a complete fuck up, you know, yeah. um, and, and, and it led me into a, in, into a burnout, but only when I uh, developed my own, um, like leading skills, I would say, yeah. um, it, it, got completely different. My way is to completely trust in my people, you know. Um, I, don't, yeah. I don't necessarily have to know all the details in transition one, you know. As long yeah. as I have three perfect people there that call me when they need me, um, but uh, uh, on the other side, they do everything um, to the benefit of our clients, you know. They, they can spend mm -hmm. as much money as they want, you know. They, they have full possibilities to do so because they know that I want it to be perfect and they can do whatever it takes to make it perfect you know and that yeah. trust is a big thing and I think that's my uh, what, what I brought in there um, because dad was a micromanager as well and <clears throat> I learned that this is actually for the race of this dimension on only one day where we are not allowed to do any mistakes you know um, the best thing to, to have people you trust, um, to, to also enable people to, um, uh, to be better than, um, they, they thought they could be, you know, by arranging the right circumstances for them to work in. And that goes really down to, to the volunteers, you know, and their posts and that a volunteer is on a post that he likes, you know, and not on the wrong one where he might yeah. get frustrated. So it's, it's really important that those 7,500 volunteers and my team, everyone has a really good feeling. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a big learning curve, an interesting learning curve. Geez, I love listening to people who are passionate about what they do. And here at Wits Up, that's, that's us. We're passionate 
about all the things that we do and the stories that we tell. So if you too enjoy the stories that we are telling, please consider subscribing to become a WitsUp member. Uh, just click the link in the description of this podcast. You said that you, you left university to come in yes. to help um, and then obviously you were catapulted into the the big boss role. What What were you studying at uni at the time? Um, economics. So oh, I studied okay. that until uh, midterm. Um, and um, then after I went to the office, I uh, went to a private uni that um, happened on Friday night, Saturday and Sunday. So I had four more years oh, wow. on, on a private uh, uni, which was quite intense because you worked the whole week. And then Friday night, uh, Saturday and Sunday, you went to uni. Wow. So it was pretty intense. A little bit far out. Did you ever finish yeah. it? Yes, I did. I did. Because wow. that was the other thing. Um, that was the other thing that my dad and mom always said. Look, um, if that whole thing doesn't uh, work, um, you have nothing in your hand. You know, you don't have any um, <clears throat> diploma or whatever else. So it was really important for me um, to to finish that. Wow. And what do you do with that these days? <laughs> um, what I I, um, uh, I did a degree in marketing and communication, and I think ah. um, I'm living that. I'm living that every yeah. day, especially the communication part, you know. And also in the Corona crisis now, when we had to uh, cancel the race uh, and mm. had to explain why we do what and under what circumstances, I said to the team: the most important thing is that we are completely open and we're an open book to our clients. And yes. uh, they understand why we are doing things, you know. And I think where we are really good in is communication. And this is also what the athletes tell us. And so mm -hmm. um, actually I'm, I'm living it every day. Yeah, definitely. Just on that, um, the decision to do, because I think from memory it was a video that you posted was your first sort of big communication about the changes and having to cancel the race, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming that you chose a video because it, it was more personal than, say, a written statement. Absolutely, absolutely. I right. wanted um, our clients to see us, to see every member from the office. I mm. wanted them to see that it's not an easy decision for us. I wanted uh, them to to hear us as well, and not not just send out an email saying, "Hey, we're really sorry, race is cancelled." You know. Mm. <clears throat> I think what uh, where we are really strong in is the personal touch, you know, and this is also what I like. Um, um, I, I want the athletes to communicate with us, you know, and social media is the perfect tool there as well. Um, yeah. And uh, we get so much feedback from from our clients, and it's yeah. I I think um, if if you can do something personal, it's always the better thing than yeah, just to send out an email. Yeah. I think that can go, that kind of goes without saying for all forms of communication, for all sorts of Absolutely. situations. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and especially um, in crisis situations, you know. And it was really yeah. interesting. I have a very, very good friend and um, we had a, we had a, a beer um, uh, when we were still in the decision-making process. What is going on? How is the government reacting? Is it actually allowed or not allowed? And before the government forbid the big events, <clears throat> We had that talk and she said something really wise. She said, mm -hmm. look, everyone is looking for stability. Mm -hmm. But there is no stability in the COVID-19 uh, times, you know. But if you can take out instability by cancelling the event and mm -hmm. everyone knowing it um, very, very early on, you know, especially our non-European athletes having a really expensive flights here, you know, mm -hmm. that they can cancel. Uh, the earlier we, we cancel the event, the more money they save, you know. Um, mm. And then I said, yeah, you're absolutely right. We have, to, we have to do it early because we, as I said, it wasn't canceled yet by the government, but that cancellation came four weeks after. And then we knew it was the right decision and it gave everyone those extra four weeks, you know. Yeah, that, yeah that's a great point. Um, yeah, I think your friend nailed it with that one. Um, Absolutely. Can we go back? Um, do you ever remember a time before 
triathlon or even I guess in those early days when you were volunteering do you remember were you involved in any other sport or did you have any other kind of dreams or aspirations as a kid yes I did I uh, desperately wanted to get pilot um oh really the world yeah wow Um, the, the great thing of my dad was that um um he didn't only work for the city of Nuremberg, but he wrote books and he was a journalist. So he did a lot of freelance work in the evenings. So yeah. he didn't really spend a lot of time with us. But with that money, we were a lot, it enabled us to travel once a year, you know. Yeah. And uh, what dad always told us, um, uh, I want you to have a bright mind, you know, to look left and right and uh, to get to know other people. And um, that, uh, I think put into our uh, DNA that uh, traveling and seeing the world and meeting other cultures is a really, really good thing. And then um, I always loved flying and this possibility that within hours you're somewhere completely different um, that made me want to get a pilot. And um, actually, I after I finished school, um, um, that was 2000, it was still Ironman here. Um, yeah. I went to the army, uh, which we had to do back then for 10 months. And yeah. I was preparing for the Lufthansa pilot test. And oh, on, wow. yeah, and on September 11, 2001, um, I was actually, um, at a preparation test for, in a, in a special school for the Lufthansa uh, test in Munich. And then, uh, one of the teachers came in and said, Hey, come out. Something flew into the World Trade Center. So that was exactly that day. And on that day, it uh, was apparent to me that Lufthansa will not hire anymore because, uh, oh. uh, yeah, the, the uh, attacks on the World Trade Center. And then I decided to go to uni and not do, uh, do the test because if you fail this test once, and Lufthansa back then actually made everyone fail because they couldn't hire any pilots. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to buy some, some time. And then out of a sudden, uh, Dad came with this crazy idea to take over the triathlon. And uh, I always loved the triathlon. I did triathlon as a kid. I came from athletics. And then, uh, as you do in Roth, at some stage, you start triathlon. And then I found that pretty interesting. And um, next to uni and next to um, the military time, he said, okay, uh, you can speak English. You do everything uh, English. I'm like, okay, that's a um, good uh, description. Um, yeah. So I was um, doing uh, the, the deals with the pro athletes, for example, or I was inviting the English-speaking media. And this is yeah. how I uh, then went in. And um, I'm very, very happy that uh, my life put me into, into that direction. Wow. That's so interesting. It, yeah. Wow. I didn't know that part. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and through all of this, though, because your burning desire for um, becoming a pilot was to travel, and you've probably yes. travelled and enjoyed travel more because you spent time and met quality people through what you do. Absolutely. One of my closest friends live in Brazil, live in Australia, and live in New Zealand. And this is only yeah, because right. of triathlon. Yeah. And it's true friends, and that's the great thing about triathlon. We all tick very similar. And it doesn't matter from where you come from, which background you have. And I think this is really, really unique. Most definitely. It's probably one of the most special parts of our sport, that's for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, I'm very aware that you're a busy man, so I'm going to start just asking you a couple of quick questions so you can get back to the rest of your day. Um, No worries. (laughs) Can... Let's. I want to get some. I want to get some uh, juicy topics out there. Who, yeah. who, who's one of your favourite athletes to work with over the years? Belinda Granger. <laughs> uh, of course. She is. She has raced here ten times. She won once, and she got one of my best friends. And yep. she's still working for us. Uh, she's still coming over every year. Um, she spent Christmas here with her family, with her mom and dad. Uh, mm. Yeah, on a on a personal level, definitely uh, uh, Belinda, and probably no doubt on a professional level as well. I imagine. Yes, yes. No, she she always was very professional. 
um, uh, but uh, she always uh, also went above and beyond everything we asked her in in any contract you know she went to the schools here uh, giving english classes giving sport classes went to the uh, uh, kids triathlon clubs and mm. and teach them so really really cool and this is really what's what's all about you know i i yeah. want and i need pro athletes who who tell their story you know who tell their story to the youngsters here in the region so that this all continues like uh, it it was with me ute mückel my big star and lotha leader from my childhood uh, yeah. ute was in the same team than us she gave us swimming lessons you know and when she won um in 1996 it was the the best thing ever a teammate mm -hmm. from roth won this event you know amazing it was amazing yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, I think the first year that I was there um, was when was uh, there was a big thing for Blender and they were, she was given her own um, dirndl, which had bits of pink on it. It was, yeah, yeah. I, I remember it being a really big year, but I can't remember what, what it was for. We were celebrating her 10th year. I think, we, yeah, I think we were celebrating her 10th year in Roth in a row. Yeah, okay. And that was when she officially became the Queen of Roth. Yeah. <laughs> and it was also at that um, ceremony uh, where she was given the dirndl and all the school kids made up big posters and stuff for her. Yeah. Um, we and I was sitting at the table with her and Joe Lorne and a few others and that's where I first learned about the table run and I was told <laughs> that no woman had ever done it before. Yeah. <laughs> Enter Steph Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> this is what, when I get got afraid the second time. Since we met. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. okay. So can you, for those people who have not had the pleasure of witnessing the infamous table run, can you explain how it all began and just how crazy it's gotten? Because it is off the charts crazy now. <laughs> it is, yeah. We have the <laughs> traditional uh, volunteers party on Monday night after the event. So we invite uh, all the uh, volunteers, uh, free food and drinks, a big raffle where they can win uh, tickets uh, uh, to fly within Europe and everything. All the pro athlete, uh, athletes are there to sign autographs and say thank you to, to the volunteers and uh, what they did for them. And um, at the end, and I, I believe, I, I don't remember the year actually when it all began, uh, but I remember that uh, Chris McCormick and me were really drunk. <laughs> and um, then we said, okay, why not do a sprint over the tables? And then we, uh, and, and bear in mind, the tent is 60 meter long. So um, you have to jump from beer table to beer table. You're not allowed to go on the benches or on the floor. Yep. And uh, you have to try to do it in a sprint, which is um, a bit risky, I would say. <laughs> um, but uh, other than one time when I broke my foot uh, while running, uh, it has all been uh, okay. And that was really funny because uh, I, uh, I broke my, my foot and um, then we continued partying all night. And next day um, I went to the doctor in the hospital and they did, they did an x-ray and said, oh, we need to put a cask on it. Uh, your your foot is broken. I said, oh, shit. And then I imagined Queen Mom uh, coming to the office, me having a cask. Um, and then he said, how did that happen? I said, I don't really know. I don't know, doctor, how that happened. He said, well, I think it's a stress fracture from the two weeks. And I'm like, definitely so. It's a stress yep. fracture. So I had an official thing. I had a stress fracture. So it was really good. <laughs> I love that you're still scared of your mom. <laughs> <laughs> she can be very scary from time to time. No, she she's not. <laughs> she's she's as crazy as as us, you know. Uh, she'll turn seventy, and she will hate me uh, that I'm saying that <laughs> in an interview. But um, like two years ago, she uh, she um, bought one of those electric scooters, so it's easier for her to to go over the the whole place. And actually, yeah. she fell from that scooter and broke her leg as well. So oh, she no. had a cask on. Uh, it was the year when you weren't there. So she had uh, a cask yeah, two years ago. on um, on her foot uh, uh, on Wednesday. 
And then on Thursday, we have the media conference, you know, and she definitely didn't want to go with the cast there. So she, I don't know how you call that in English. You know, those really big scissors that you can cut a turkey with through the bones <laughs> of the turkey. So she took that and took the cask off on Thursday morning so she could wear high heels for the media conference on Thursday. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So genetically, I think I have that from my mom, actually. So she can't really be too, uh, uh, wow. say, too angry with yeah. me Wow! when I do stupid things. <laughs> she, she is crazy. I guess she just probably hides it better than what, say, you or I can. <laughs> <Yes>. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. She's oh really good at hiding. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. So I actually did my ankle a few years ago as well at the ro at the after party too. So <laughs> it, we're cursed. My goodness. Yeah, I think it's that uh, infamous after party. Uh, That's true. And which we're not allowed to talk about because you don't talk about it, do you? It's just what happens in Roth stays in Roth. Yeah. Uh, just one thing, and I hope Belinda is not going to ring me and kill me. But the <laughs> funniest go. thing, the funniest thing was um, uh, in one of the early years, we, we had a really good band. And from the singer, uh, his father was Minister of Justice. And he never heard his son playing in, uh, in the band. So it was already completely crazy. Uh, I think it was shortly before midnight. Everyone was drunk. They were playing. Belinda was there, and she was a good friend with Martin, the singer as well, you know. And especially oh, I know his... Martin. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. his sister. And his sister, uh, Marion, she always uh, was the uh, anti-doping chaperone of Belinda. <laughs> so they knew each other really well as well. And uh, here comes the Minister of Justice, including police forces, including the mayor, like an official visit kind of, into the after-show party, everyone completely shit-faced. And here comes <laughs> Belinda to the, um, uh, to the minister saying, hey, um, your kids are awesome, don't you want to party with us? And drag him on the dance floor and dance with him. So Brilliant. <laughs> so funny things, really. That, that party is, uh, is awesome. Oh, and to be gosh. continued next year. Oh, it makes me so excited and equal parts scared about what's going to happen yeah. next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the story is um, not over, my friend. The book uh, is uh, still not finished and I think there are many, many more pages to come. I think so. And oh my goodness. And that's actually probably the perfect way to to end this discussion with I, with a story about Belinda Granger, I think we're going to have to have another uh, podcast episode with just stories from the partying in Roth because between the three of us, there's got to be plenty. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Definitely so. <laughs> oh, thank uh, you so much for cheering me up, my friend. Uh, by the way, now the sun is out. Oh, and, there you uh, go. It all looks much better now. And well, thanks for welcome. sharing all the all the great stories. Uh, it makes me laugh again. So uh, today Aww. in the morning, depression mode, and now uh, really nice. So thank you very much. <laughs> I will be your little ray of sunshine whenever you need, Felix. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> um, thank you so much. And um, we we're going to publish this. It we. It will be essentially the weekend that it's meant that the race is meant to be having, uh, meant to be happening. Perfect. Sorry, um, but just and just know that when we put it out there, everyone in the triathlon world will be thinking of you guys and uh, sending love your way. Um, from a personal note, I miss you. Uh, I can't wait to see you again next year. And please Me too, give your love to the family and and to everyone else who we know over there as well. Definitely will. Thank you so much for calling, my friend. And, Thank uh, yeah, you. Uh, hopefully seeing you before Challenge next year. I might oh. uh, have a look into coming over um, oh my goodness. Uh, once it's, it's all getting uh, better here with flights and everything. Oh, that would make us all so very happy. Perfect. All right. Tiffa, Tiffa's 40th take two. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, I, I can hear Brett groaning from the other room. He's oh, yeah. worried. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for tuning in. Hit subscribe, give us a rating, leave a comment, and don't forget, if you're not already a Wits Up Patreon member, sign up in the link in the description. But above all else, keep yourselves knee-deep in awesomeness. <laughs> Woo!